Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. Welcome, host. <laughs> Dr. Paula Price. <laughs> Scripture organic, culturally unmodified. Wow, isn't God good? I'm excited about being here today, but I'm always excited, you know? Because I get this weekly visit with my family. You all are going to really appreciate today. You know, we've been having some good viewership over the last month or so. You're tackling subjects that people really want to hear about and also helping them get deeper in God. So I, I just praise God for that. But I want to start today off just a tiny bit different just for today. And that is because God has sent into the planet the spirit of miracles and breakthroughs. And because he has done so, he wants to begin to open up the the, the access points. And I I don't want to say portals because some of this is not about a portal at all. It's just an access point for a single delivery. And so I just wanted to say today that we're going to pray to push in what God has for his people, what God has for the planet, for his will, not the crazy, because I'll bind up the darkness. Yes, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they both got the bind. You know, as long as we keep saying that, that we are not, then we don't, and they keep running, you know, and so we got the flesh and the darkness agree, and the principle from Jesus Christ is that wherever two or more uh, agree is touching anything. So if you agree with darkness, you agree with whatever, you agree with flesh, you're not going to get the brightness and the righteousness of God. But that's a whole other discussion. Right now, I want to pray. Holy Father, thank you. Father God, I thank you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank you that he is our Savior. I thank you that he is our Sovereign. I thank you that he is our Redeemer and our Maker. God, I give you praise for your Son, your first begotten Son. I give you praise for his kingship his dominion, his victory, triumph, and his royalty. God, I praise you that by his blood we were brought into existence, that we are filled with all the fullness of God. I thank you, God, that he is our access to you and your egress to us. And I bless you for that, Father God. Now, I lift up the words that you've just given me in my mouth. And, God, I speak to the spirit of breakthrough. And, I, Lord, I give it access. I mobilize it by the Holy Ghost. I command the darkness that is formed ranked against breakthrough to be disbanded in Jesus' name. I call in your favor. I call in your business. I call in your, your miracles. I call in your child. I call in a good report on those babes in the womb. I call in healthy babies in Jesus' name. I, I call in your entrepreneurship. I call in favor like you've never seen before. I summon victory to stand up and to present itself to your disposal for your breakthrough. God says breakthrough is today. You need to begin to pray, and you need to begin to praise. And not just pray, Lord, just do, but praise because you know it's done. God does things in bundles, and so today I 
summon the bundle of breakthrough for the body of Christ, for the children of faith, for the people of God, for the land that God loves. I bless you for it, God. I call in settlements. I call in back alimony. I call in back child support. I call in funds that have been overdue. I call in debt clearance in Jesus' name. I command the debt that you have gotten naively to be erased in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for filling up our treasuries. I thank you, Holy Ghost, for filling up our spirits. I call in new visitations of the Holy Ghost. I summon the brokenhearted back into healing and wholeness. I summon broken spirits back into God's service. I pull down every work of darkness that's been suppressing the people of God uh, and suppressing the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, I pull you down in Jesus' name. Uh, I command you to loose God's people and let them go. Loose their mind, loose their hearts, loose their soul, loose their flesh in Jesus' name. God, I thank you for rewards for the righteous, those who have stood, having done all to stand, uh, who stood therefore, God, I call in and activate their re- rewards. Uh, I accelerate it by the Holy Ghost, God. Uh, I am still in the parents a love for their kids, and a wisdom for their children. I call wayward, wayward youngsters back home. I call wayward parents back home. By the spirit of the living God and the authority invested in me by the Holy Ghost, uh, I put the family unit that God ordained back together, and I disband the units that God didn't ordain. I command them to crumble from the inside out. I command barrenness to hit them like never before. I command the bond of unity to be broken in all ungodly marriages and all ungodly unions. I break the bond of unity, and I put the spirit of hostility between them. God, I drive a wedge so that this thing will not work. Not because of legislation and not because of enactments, but because, God, you know the heart and you will make happen what you will. So, God, I thank you for that. I break the curse that's sent on God's people. Shut down the spirit of witchcraft that's trying to beguile you. I command every beguiling devil to be reassigned to the pit of hell in Jesus' name. I break your ears open. I call you to hear and call you to hear and call you to hear to comprehend and to understand in the name of Jesus. Christ of Nazareth. I command the true saints to rise up and be Christians. Uh, I command fear, the spirit of fear that witchcraft put on the church to be dissipated in Jesus' name. Uh, I release the courage of the Lion of Judah. I release the roar of the Lion of Judah. I release boldness in you today. I command cowardice to leave you. I command compromise to die in the name of Jesus. Uh, I call in the courageous saints. I call in the courage of Jesus Christ that we got by the blood of the land. I command that pushback spirit that God is putting in his church to intensify and multiply and push back on this darkness uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, I command that edict that, that paganism has, that this is their time to be overruled by the Holy Ghost. I overruled that edict. It is not their time because it is ours. It is not their day, but it is the Christians. It's the sons and daughters of the living God. It's our day. We own time. We own time. Time came into existence because of sin, not because of the original creation, and we 
own eternity. And eternity in the now is what we are going to promote and what we're going to propagate throughout all the earth. Christians, you need to say every day, it is not the time of darkness. It is not the time of sin. It is not the time of devils. It is not the time of polytheism. It is not the time of BC deity. It is not your time. And I command it in the name of Jesus that that edict and all of those assumptions to be scrubbed uh, from the walls and windows and floors and doors of creation. I command them to dissolve into nothing. I disband this assembling darkness against the church. Uh, I turn you back into what you want. I command you to be stoned and pillars of salt like the Bible says. Uh, We will not give this up. I'm saying to you today, saints of God, you want your blessing? Get in the fight. You want your blessing? Get on the wall. You want your blessing? Get in the battle. Get into office. Get into authority. Get into seats of power. You want your blessing because your blessing is not coming to your bedroom. It is not coming to your prayer closet. It's not going to knock on your door and say, hey, come out. You have got to do it. You've got to pursue it. I'll give you the cup to push back on this darkness and to stand because the world, the earth is the Lord's. And the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. You stand on the word. You decree the earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's. <laughs> the world. See, sometimes we think God just has the dirt, but see, He got the system. The earth is the Lord's. <laughs> and the fullness thereof. The world and they that dwell therein. Say it every day. Paste it all over your house. Preach it. Preach it. Say it every day. Open it up. Open your sermons with it. Close it up. Send your people out with, uh, with the knowledge that the earth is not Satan's. It is not his planet. It is not his world. It is not his kind. It is not his kingdom. I'm telling you, the powers of the kingdom of darkness have not been released yet because if they were, we couldn't breathe. I'm telling you, it's our time. We are the uh, children of the Alpha and the Omega. And I thank you, God, that you breathe from heaven and bathe and baptize your people in courage, in conviction, in fire, in force, and in faithfulness. Now, thank you for it, Father, in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. So let it be. It is our time, and it's been our time since we went A.D. B.C. is not going to come back over A.D. That's not happening. That's not happening. Now, it's unfortunate that there are ministers and those who have held the fort so long believe that this Satan's day and his time. But I want you to know there's not an apostle in the planet that will agree with that. There's not a prophet in the planet that would agree with that. And I'm, if God gives me grace, we're all going to find our way to each other, and we're going to click like those bones, Ezekiel's bones in, in chapter 37, and we're going to become one force, and we're going to show the world what Jesus Christ really did and who Jesus Christ really is, because he is not, we've been hiding hiding in churches, hiding in church war, hiding from laws, hiding from legislation. But, you know, apostles and prophets are natural warriors. Pastors are tenderers. That's what they do. They tend their sheep. So they're tenderers. But apostles and prophets, we are the officers that took this thing from Satan in the first place. We turned B.C. into A.D. It was apostles and prophets that turned B.C. into A.D. And I'm telling you, the same Jesus, this same Jesus, you know, we preach that on Sunday. Oh, my God, I'm hopping in my seat. The same Jesus, hallelujah, 
That same Jesus that did it once, he will do it again and again and again. Jesus is not far. He's near. He is in the planet. I know it because I met the team. And I'm telling you, that's why you feel strong. And we don't just feel strong because we woke up one day and fell in love with the sermon. We feel strong because the powers of God is here. All day long, he kept saying, but the power of God is here. But the power of God is here. Saints of God, listen to me. But the power of God is here. 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 I'm in love with Jesus Christ. You know why? Because he's a honey man, but he is a warrior. And see, you've been listening to these people telling you the sword is down. And while your sword was buried, the enemy was sharpening his sword to take you out. And you bought that because that passivity does not come from apostles and prophets. This is a warfare. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. And we have, I mean, I've heard pastors preach. No, that's not it. I've heard preachers preach. That's not, we're not in violence. Are you kidding? Why you, see, you didn't even know you were being violated because violence comes from being violated. The purpose of violence is to violate. So you didn't know it, and it took us 25, 30 years to realize that we were being violated and that, uh, that a non-martial violence was being perpetrated upon us in laws and in courts. That's what it means, lobbying for the un- ungodliness. We're talking about petitioning courts, dragging innocent folk into court just because they don't want to make you a case. We're talking about a case. You're all trying to get – are you kidding me? You know that's a devil. Old elderly people have businesses 20, 30, 40, 50 years, and they're out of business because of how, look, come on, somebody. That devil is a liar. It's a lying spirit. And those were violent acts, and you didn't know it because they didn't have clubs, and they didn't have guns, and they didn't have rifles, and they didn't have anything but the pen, which we all know from school is mightier than the sword. And so while you were looking for clubs and while they had your eyes looking at paid protesters yelling in the street, you didn't realize that the pen was violating your rights. And people were signing off on the church's demise in our country as well as the world. You didn't know that because you're looking for fisticuffs. But I want you to know true violence is often diplomatic. As a matter of fact, they call diplomacy a weaponless war. In other words, we don't shoot bullets. We just use words. And in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And the world was made by heaven. Yet it didn't even know. I want you to understand. See, that's why you need quality apostles and quality prophets and quality education because we got two groups of apostles. Y'all probably wonder, what is the difference? You got the, the apostles that are running with biblical divine order, and then you got the apostles that are trying to take the lead in the culture-crafted church. Two different ones. Because see, divine order, you look at, the, all you have to do is look at the manifestos and see how much Jesus Christ and, and, and Christianity you got in there. I'll tell you who you follow. See, I've been listening. I've, I've read the manifestos what this movement is about. I want to know. I want to know what you say it's about so I know how to place you in my loyalties and in my affirmations. So we have to. That's why you keep saying, well, why the other? You notice we got all of these other apostles, and the church is still doing what it's always, always done, rebelling against Jesus Christ, fornicating up the front and down the back, adulterating, tattooing, piercing, sloppy, vagabond clothes. All of that is culture. 
So that means that there's a culture craft of Christianity that you have been bought into or sucked into that you didn't know. Because the biblical apostle is about, be ye holy, for I am holy. Thou shalt have no other God before me. Not, well, it's not like the other God. We don't, as a matter of fact, we don't even think about the God. We just think about the religion. Or we don't think about the, the religion. We just think about the faith. All of the, so they, they separated and hid, like the missionaries did when they sold Christ out overseas. Hallelujah, way back in time. All right? Same action. Culture crafted church. Would you write that down? Culture crafted church. That's a church that has crafted Christianity according to the cultures of this world, this age, according to the, 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 the spirits of the darkness of this age. See, that's something that a, a, a biblical apostle is going to talk to you about. We're going to tell you where our adversaries are, because <laughs> our adversaries are God's adversaries. So we're not trying to make friends with the world like that. Because making friends with the world makes you, what, an enemy of Christ and his cross. So we don't talk about the cross. We don't talk about, you know, we got people talking about, well, you know, we're going to do, we don't want to talk about Jesus, but we're not going to mention his name. We're not going to mention scriptures. We're not going to mention Bible. We're not going to do any of those things because we are not of the biblical divine order. We're not of the Bible church. You know, people say they're Bible-believing. They're not. First of all, if you're New Testament only, you don't believe the Bible. You believe a segment. Isn't that a good thing? I just really love it. You, when people come to me and start talking about, we're going to wipe out the name of Jesus, we're going to wipe out the, the faith of Jesus, we're going we gonna to clothe him in something else and clad his truth in something else. When they say that, you know what I say? You are not saved. Because if you marry somebody, somebody, I'm not going to use their name. I'm not going to use their way of life. I'm not going to give them credit. I'm not even going to give them an honorable mention. They tell you that you have violated the terms and conditions of the covenant or the contract, whether it's a marriage or business relationship or anything else. But we do to Jesus anything we want because nobody has told you how to fight for him. So there are a lot of people out there, actually, I believe will fight for Jesus. They're, they're armed. They got the sword up. They just don't know how to swing it. So how do you take off a head again? I, I, hmm. But there are a lot of people who will fight. But you know what? You need somebody to help you go into the battle, to, to strengthen you for the battle, to educate you in the weapons of our warfare, which are not carnal, but are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. See, that is it. I'm talking to the fighters and the defenders of the faith. I'm talking to the people who know that this is a mess, and this mess is about taking out our Savior, and our sovereign, Jesus Christ. But you cannot be a Christian and not want to talk about Jesus Christ. The two are mutually exclusive. So when they tell me that, and if you're hearing it from your pastor, you need to question your pastor's salvation. If you're hearing it from your apostle, you need to question their salvation. And if, they, and if their salvation is not a, a, a suspect, then you need to suspect their fidelity and their allegiance to God. You can't do that to your country. And yet you do, you, and you all made it a whole religion. Why? Culture crafted Christianity made it a whole doctrinal authority that you can talk about Christ and not mention him, that you can, you can serve him and not name him. You can petition, petition him as an anonymous God. See, that's kind of crazy. That's how you want to know how we got here. That's how we got here. We have all of these leaders who decided we'll take his stuff and we'll put him, put him away. And you know that's a whole biblical thing. You know, we're just going to take everything from him. And then we're going to use it after we adapt it to our way. So Jesus was like, 
I'll just wait till the one I know will take care of it comes and is ready to stand for me. You know, God may not want one lot of, he may wish that none should perish, but you know what? He knows that there's a ton who will. Otherwise, why is he talking about remnant? You see, he talks about remnant, and yet the remnant will be saved. Okay, so if the remnant is going to be saved, what's happening to the rest? Culture crafted churches. The, I'm gonna keep, you know why I'm going to keep saying it? Because I need, to hear, need you to hear faith come by hearing, hearing come by the word of God. You heard, you, listen, you learn the faith of the culture crafted Christian church by faith and by hearing it all the time. Now you're going to learn about the Bible defined Christian church. And you will hear it all the time. We're going to talk about first apostles, secondarily prophets. After that, teachers, and then miracles. All of these little miracles, what we call them miracles, are simple signs that God is with us. But he said, then miracles. And he runs down the list. Miracles, gifts of healings, governors. We've had people change, gov- change government and Bibles to administration. Why? Culture, craft, the church, and one government. They don't want to be steered. They just want to perform. Hallelujah. See, I do my research because I have to read because, you know, we, we take this, this. This is a real dragon. This is a dragon. It really is. This is a dragon. And this is the dragon's lair. Culture, craft, and Christianity comes straight out of the dragon's lair, which is why everybody is so comfortable. Well, I, don't, I won't touch yours if you don't touch mine. I won't talk about you if you don't talk about me. If you don't talk about my adultery, I won't talk about your fornication. If you don't talk about my deceptions, I will not talk about your perversion. And so we just kind of all in the dragon's lair. Culture, craft, and Christianity straight out the dragon's lair. Y'all didn't hear me. How do I know it? Because the dragon is a symbol of China and Asia. All of these religions are coming from there. And all of this stuff infiltrating the church, yoga included, is coming out of the dragon's lair. See, you got to have more than, that's just the, the Bible said. I told you what the Bible said. I'm telling you how the world is acting it out. See, the world is acting out your scriptures. You're hiding out from your scriptures. The, day, the world is acting out your scriptures. So we're talking about getting the true Christians out of the dragon's lair and getting the dragon's spew out of their souls. This is draconic. I don't care what anybody tells me. All of that stuff over there, all about the dragons, all about serpents, all about snakes, that's the problem from the beginning. We know where the tree, the Garden of Eden, all of that problem has been about of that old dragon, the devil, serpents, snakes, polytheism, etc. It is important that you understand what the fight is, because true apostles are going to bring you into the realization of the real fight. This fight is not about some, some impersonal faith. It's not about your preferential faith. All flesh is as grass, says the Lord. And then he said, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. You have been talked out of your Bible, so you've been talked out of your weapons. You've been talked out of your scriptures, so you've been talked out of your ammunition. You've been talked out of your Bible and the word of God, so you've been talked out of your faith. And you have slowly but surely drunk the red Kool-Aid of the dragon's faith. See, the dragon got Kool-Aid. And you have been talked out of it. And you have been talked out of it. 
so much so that you go, you sit there and a person can cuss, they can cuss and, and they can tell you all their foul language and all of their vile little sexual exploits and do all of that kind of stuff, but you can't read your Bible. You know why? Because you, you let the dragon talk you out of it. And see, the dragon talks. The dragon is hypnotic. It's beguiling. It's not just a flamethrower. And it, and it has its own smoke, which is its own, its own cloud. So you need to recognize you've been talked out of it. You've been talked out of Jesus Christ, and you've been walked into the faith of the false Christ, the imposters that have been pretending to be him, that Satan has hired to keep you from the truth. I keep telling you one day we're going to talk about Jeroboam because it's important that you understand Jeroboam because this is a Jeroboam issue. And this is a Jeroboam era. The church has been made victim to Jeroboam. Jeroboam, when he became king in Judah, after Solomon's death, God took the kingdom from David's line and gave it to Jeroboam and told Jeroboam, now, if you do this, 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 and this, I'm going to bless you, which means he could have kept the uh, kingdom of God, uh, the kingship of God in his line for, for a long time. He could have. Just look up King Jeroboam, and don't just read the king's account, because it's the chronicle's account that tells you how he cut covenant with demons and devils. People do not turn from God in high seats without knowing it. Some of you all are sitting there holding prayer visions for people who have defected from God. Oh, he was a good man. If he was a good man, he'd still be a good man. John said, they leave us for us to know that they were never with us. So people leave Christ, and it becomes a public scandal or a public um, uh, event because God wants all the rest of Christianity to stop following them. Because even if God brings a high leader to repentance, they have made too many converts of their defection to be useful to him again. So he's not going to bring them back. So you have to stop praying for them fallen leaders. Fallen sheep, that's one thing. And the leaders are to pray for the sheep. But when a, when a person sits in a high seat in God's government, in God's kingdom, in God's church, they do not fall without years and years of sliding off the grid and dropping the bar. Y'all paying for singers that you know out there fornicating with half-naked women, taking pictures with half-naked women, talking about I'm praying for them to come back. Why? What are you going to bring back? More perversion? More, more fornication? See, you all have to know how the kingdom works. So you don't know. You think you know. No, the kingdom doesn't work like the local church. That's our problem. You keep treating the kingdom as if it's the local church. And the kingdom doesn't work like the local church. Jesus as the Savior is not the same as Jesus, the sovereign. And the sovereign's got to keep the whole kingdom because the kingdom is the first point of breach to make inroads into his church. See, the kingdom surrounds the church. Oh, hallelujah. If the church is God's soul, then the kingdom is his body. So the kingdom surrounds the church to protect the vulnerable. And you're praying as a Christian in a pew as if these fallen leaders are members of your congregation, and they're not. They were delegated representatives of God's kingdom. 
and they were sent to protect the kingdom so that the church could be safeguarded. So you're playing. Well, you know, bishop, this or what? Apostle Datacum and all of these kinds of things. First of all, you don't even know what side of the church spectrum they're on. People do not leave God in a moment. Deception takes a long time to persuade people to turn from Jesus Christ. Apostasy is inseminated and then incubated and then disseminated. It doesn't happen overnight, and that's where you're stuck. You can pray in a moment, but your answer can take 20 years. We all know about that, Lord. Wait, Jesus? Okay, Jesus, this is my 397th prayer. So you're praying for people who told God, I'm done with you. And you, living like a wonderful Christian in the pew, think you understand that. You're praying, literally, pew prayers for sovereign and royal issues. You don't have that kind of power because you don't have the power to infect these people's will. These people have decided to be fed. Another biblical term for it is apostasy. See, the culture crafted church does not teach you about apostasy because it doesn't want you to be afraid of sin so much that you stay in righteousness. Huh. A lot of changes are going to be made in the body of Christ as we go forward. But I'm telling you, true apostles will tell you that. John says there is sin leading to death. He said, and I do not say you should pray for it. You need to discover what that is. Defection from the, from the ranks, defection from Christ, apostasy, not just backsliding. Everybody, we can all, you know, not, I work hard at avoiding it. I'm not saying it's possible, but I don't explain it. But everyone can slip. But apostasy is an avowal that your relationship with the deity you served is over and your connection is severed and your loyalties are withdrawn. That's sin you ought not to pray for. You start seeing them going and getting inducted into other things, that's sin you ought not to pray for. You see a leader who decides to have a $5 sale on all of the tapes and all of the teachings on Jesus Christ, that's a leader that you should not pray for. You see a leader that's standing up there promoting what the Bible condemns and convinced to it after years of faithful service to Christ, that's a, lead, a, lead, that's a sin you should not pray for. I'm going to give you a couple of pieces of scripture because I know I am messing with you. Oh, oh, oh. But if I'm going to serve Jesus Christ, I can't serve sin. A man can't, we can't serve two masters. You know, mammon is not just money. Mammon is also a principality. That's another God. That's why Satan said to Jesus on the mountain, I'll give you all of this. He said he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. That means it was an out-of-body experience. And if you will fall down and worship me. Now, I've done this before, and I'm going to keep doing it. Everybody who decides I'm a real prophet, I'm a real apostle, I'm a faithful saint, I want you to study Ezekiel 13. I mean, excuse me, 33, not 13. Scratch that all together. Let's just scratch it all together, because I can 
confused Ezekiel 37 with Isaiah 33. So let's go back and we're going to do it right. Isaiah chapter 33. And so, <clears throat> um, starting at 3314, the sinners in Zion are afraid. Fearfulness has surprised the, hip, the hypocrites. All of a sudden, God shows up to expose the truth. And we're going to have a massive visitation from the Godhead, not just the Holy Spirit, but the Godhead. And, and God is coming into his own temple. And he says, who among us shall dwell with the devouring fire? Who among us shall dwell with everlasting burnings? He that walketh righteously and speaketh uprightly, he that despises the gain of oppression, that shaketh his hands from holding from bribes, that stops his ears from hearing of blood and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil. He shall dwell on high. His place of defense shall be the munitions of rocks. That's already scary. Bread shall be given him. His water shall be short. And um, I'm, I'm wrong. You know what? Actually, I was right, and then I got wrong. But that was good. That was really good. That was good. So we'll keep it. Okay. So we're going to go on over here to Brother Ezekiel. Okay. You know, I'm so excited. Yeah, Ezekiel's coming. He's not the book that people said I read in a day. You don't even read Ezekiel in a week. I sat down to study, and it took me about a week and a half. But then I did do it word for word. Because sometimes, you know, you read it, you scan it. And I'm just stepping because we didn't have this long here. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It could be the book of the year. Yeah. Again, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of thy people and say unto them. Well, now, this is a prophet, so this is what prophets ought to be saying. When I bring the sword upon the land, if the people of the land take a man of their coast and set him for their watchman, if he sees the sword come upon the land, he blow the trumpet and warn the people, then whosoever hears the sound of the trumpet, and take, it's not warning, if the sword comes and take him away, his blood should be on his own head. So you, you understand that what you're hearing about prophecy is not the same as discharging the office. I'm giving you office discharge guidelines. So number one, if you're going to be a watchman, you need to see, and you need to see the sword as well as the, the vault, and, to, and come upon, and, and you need to blow the trumpet. That means sound the alarm, sound the alarm, and then warn the people. Most most saints are not only are they not warned. Even when you warn them, they're so spoiled by the culture crafted church's indulgence and affirmation of sin. They can't even fear God. They've been told not to fear God. God doesn't want you to fear him. I mean, from Genesis to Revelation, the man has said, fear me. Fear the one who can take your heart out of your body without even letting you know it. Fear the one who can lay you down and never let you get up again. Fear the one who can paralyze your soul so that all you can do is lay in bed with tears. Fear the one who can take your brain. Fear the one who gives you life. Fear the one who can take your family in a sport. Everything in the scriptures about that, which is why they want you out. 
That church does not want you to fear God because they want you to fear man. Verse 5, he heard the sound of the trumpet and took not warning. His blood shall be upon him. But he that taketh warning shall deliver his soul. Hmm. I don't know about you, but that's good. I got a pen here. I'm going to write something. Hallelujah. I'm writing something. But if the watchmen see, we're going to study together, the sword come and blow not the trumpet, and the people be not warned. If the sword come and take away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood will I require at the watchman's hands. You're going to see a lot of prophets' lives going to it. A lot of those, because see, those are charismatic prophets. Charismatic prophets means it's got to always be good news. It's got to always make you happy. It's got to always confirm to their doctrine that God is a loving God. God's a sweet God. God's a father that wouldn't chasten his kids. God's a father that will never hurt you. God doesn't have to do anything to teach you. He doesn't even have to teach you. You're just innately born perfectly because you have a new creation spirit, which is seed like. Those people, those, you're going to see a lot of them. I'm telling you, you're going to hear it because God says, I'm going to require. I'm pulling you into account for all of the lies that I lost because you didn't tell the truth. You didn't tell people. You wanted the good news gospel. Gospel means good news. Yeah, but it's good to whom? See, God thinks it's good news that I just didn't leave you the church to go in the power of smoke. He thinks it's good news that he turned the comet away. He thinks it's good news that he hit us from the asteroids. He thinks it's good news that he hit us from natural disasters. God thinks that's good news. He thinks it's good news that he's extended the life of humanity on the earth. He thinks it's great news that he sent his son to earth and flesh. He thinks it's marvelous that his son died and went to hell. He thinks it's ecstatic that his son ascended on high. He thinks it's the supreme superlative that he sent the new creation into the planet. See, we need to know who calls good good. Because, see, Satan calls evil good and good evil. So we need to be very careful about what we are lumping up under the heading of the good news. And so... So thou, O son of man, I have sent thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore thou shalt hear the word at my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity. So, you know, the wages of sin is death, whether the prophet tell you or not. I know sometimes we think that there's some sort of caveat in there, but if there isn't. And so he said, and shall die in his but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked of his way to turn from it, if he do if he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you've delivered your soul. So every time a prophet causes a ignorant, naive life to die, God judges that prophet's soul. And he imparts that judgment in the prophet's soul. He said, But you've delivered your soul. Why? Your body's going to still walk, talk, do stuff. But that soul is bearing the stripes of judgment and the penalties of God's losses. Oh, that's good. Is that good? Do you all, are they getting it? Y'all following with me? All right. Now, <clears throat> verse 10, Therefore, O thou son of man, speak unto the house of Israel, thus she speaks, saying, If our transgressions and our sins be upon them, and we pine away in them, how should we then live? Because the wages of sin is also the weight of sin. Sin has a weight, as a burden. We talked about that in a couple Sundays ago. Say unto them, as I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. 
turn you, turn from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Therefore, thou, son of man, say unto the children of thy people, the righteousness, listen to this, the righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver them in the day, uh, to deliver him in the day of his transgressions. As for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall thereby in the day that he turns, repents from his wickedness. Neither shall the righteous be able to live for his righteousness in the day he sins. See, that's powerful. I want you, those of you who teach, <clears throat> this is important. Those of you who teach, focus on Ezekiel 33, 12, because it's important that you realize that when a person who has lived righteous all those days in God turns from their righteousness, God acts as if they only sin or that their righteousness was a cloak for their sin. So he reacts that way. You know, the thing I like about the Holy Ghost, and God was talking to me about it yesterday as we were discussing, we were discussing whatever, we always discussing something. But he said, you know, there is a depth to me that people don't really want to know. Like, we're fond of saying that we have to know the height, the depth, the breadth, and the length of God's, God's love. But God is deep. Like, God has a superficial relationship with a lot of folks. And just surface. You go to church, if you need him, if he agrees that what you're about to encounter or what you're suffering is, is um, you know, kind of jeopardizing his plans, his purpose and his destinies, then he turns around and he will help you. Otherwise, he lets you work out life your way because you said, I don't want to get deep in God. I don't want, can you imagine? I don't want to be deep in God. And my Bible said deep calls unto deep. So then you're shallow. And if you're shallow, then God's superficial. You have one word every 15 years or so. When it's time for something that he wants to happen in your life to happen, then he comes and he gets involved. You deal with God's office. You deal with God's duties and responsibility, not his personhood. It's very important that you recognize that all of the exciting things that you're enjoying about God are all about work, all about the works of the flesh, all about the, the personhood, I mean, the, the, the purpose of your life, not the personhood of the Lord. So the God, he said to me, he said, but I don't just want to be known by you according to my responsibilities, according to my duties, according to my deliverances or my provisions. And I told him, I don't want to know you like that, because see, to me, I might as well alone FedEx. Because it ain't much different. It's like knowing God likes FedEx. You don't try to have a relationship with FedEx or, or UPS or any of those. You ain't trying to have a relationship with them. You just want to get your, put your order in, get your package, and you want them to be there when you need them again. That's superficial. You know, that's the come and get, snatch and take. But God said, I am, I am a deep well. God's like, I'm infinite. But I don't even want a deep relationship with a lot of people because they won't know what to do with my sensitivities. They won't know what to do with my attentiveness. They won't know how to respond to my holiness, my royalty, my sovereignty. See, all of those are your, your, your tripwires. Those are the tripwires that trip you up every time you think you're ready to get close to God. As soon as you get ready, God's so smart. As soon as you get ready to get close to God, this is what he does. You get ready to get, Lord, I'm setting aside. See, God, I'm cleaning stuff. See, look, look, God, stuff clean. And then God lets you do So a couple of days, he communes with you, lets you remember how sweet he is and how wonderful he is because he really is. I mean, when you get on that inner side, oh, my God, cuddle up in that heart. Oh, Jesus, it's so sweet. 
And so, but, but he didn't let you get that close right away. He just, as soon as you start having to deal with his sensitivities, God begins to touch you. So he'll remind you of stuff you need. So you'll take that, that very tender moment and make it a big session. Lord, while I have your attention, <laughs> you know, while we're in this cozy moment, God, while we're up close and personal, can I ask you to do? Can I ask you for? I brought my list with you just in case I made it in. Very disappointing to the Lord. Very, very disappointing. Or you have the people who want to sing. You know, you love it. They sing these songs, and they tell you, just breathe them in. Just do this and do that. God's like, I'm a person. He said, they're singing like I'm an experience. But I'm a person. So he'll start doing that, or he'll start telling you, okay, you need to get rid of that man. You need to get rid of that woman. You need to, get, you need to move out and tell someone so you need to. Mm-mm. When he starts giving you the conditions for the next level in him, that's when you know you're super, you're, whether or not you're superficial or whether you're deep and you're ready for the depth of God. See, many of you, you've had moments, and some of you only want that once or twice in a lifetime. God knows it, so he didn't invest a lot in it anyhow. God may invest in your salvation, and he'll invest in your soul sanctification, but he will not recklessly invest himself in intimacy with people just on general principle. He's just not going to do it. You know, he's just not going to do it. We, we, we're sitting there Saturday listening to that woman sing the song, The Reckless Love. Oh, God, I hate that song. I really wish it would stop. I do. That is a horrible, horrible song. It is the most arrogant, obnoxious, self-serving song I've ever heard. And it's a lie. If God goes reckless, we call it a cosmic example, a, a disaster. Hate that song. And I hate all those songs like that because they're always taker songs that people are taking. If you want me, God, chase me. If you want me, kick down the door. If you want me, God, break the mountains. If you want me, do stuff for me. And if you do it and I think you've done enough, then I'll let you catch me. Are you kidding me? You're clay. You C-L-A-Y, you're clay. Just declare that. My church better not ever sing that song. I will have a fit. I'm going to tell you right now, God is not reckless. You cannot ascribe recklessness to the logos of God. You can't do it. Logos means logic. It means wisdom. It means self-control. It means restraint. It means alpha and omega, beginning and end, first and last. That's the dumbest song I've heard. That's one of them dumb ones that you know some kid went to, 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 to camp or some sort of youth group thing, youth camp, and came back with their own personal interpretation, kind of like Saul sitting among the prophets. He was prophesying, but it was perverted. Is Saul among the prophets? No, he's stripping off his clothes, walking around in the dust, throwing stuff on himself. No apostle, no real apostle or prophet would appreciate that song because they, can, they smell the spirit that it came from. It came from culture, craft, and church. He loves you so much. He's just sitting there crying. Oh, man, I'm good. I give the Lord a tissue, but I don't know where he's off. That is horrible. But again, culture crowd is childishness. That's a childish song for a childish people. It is a terrible song. It is the most obnoxious thing flesh and blood and clay could ever say about God. He's not worthy of you coming to him. He's got to tear up the planet to come to you. He's got to go and do all of these kind of machinations to get your little funky soul. That is dumb. Yes, it is dumb. I don't care. And the people who publish this, shame on them. They need to go and fast. They need to go and get another dip in the blood. Then they need to fast. And then they got to read the Bible. And they need to fast. A whole lot of mess to come up with that kind of thing. 
and so forth. And see, the devil is, remember, he's a musician, so he's going to come up with those soulful-sounding melodies, and that melody grips you before you listen. Like, you don't even listen because the melody gets you. And if not the melody, because remember, it's that, that Pied Piper thing going on. And so he will always use sweet, sweet melodies because how did you think he sold those angels? And so you get all caught up in the mouth. And then, and then they got the, the person, the voice singing is very whiny, so it makes you feel pitiful, makes you feel sorry for him. It's a sympathy-invoking song. It's not a celebratory song. Everybody else came to come to Jesus. We got come to Jesus. Come unto me. The man said, come, not run, come. He never said run for me until I catch you. He said, come unto me, all ye who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest unto your soul. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Then you sing the right song. See, you can't sing the right songs if you don't know the man. You know, I don't care how passionate a love song is. If it reminds somebody of something offensive, brutal, or hurtful, it's not a love song to them. It's not. So it may be a love song to you, maybe how you want to love, but it certainly is not how they receive love. And so when you sing the wrong song, you raise up a, 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 a displeasure. For example, you can sing a love song that you think is wonderful because it's worked it made you feel all warm and fuzzy, but somebody else could have been getting molested on that song. So it's not a love song to them. Someone else could have watched their parents get killed on that song. Someone could have watched their date get killed in a club on that song. So it doesn't arouse warm fuzzies to them. And songs like that do not arouse warm fuzzies to a man who took upon himself flesh, who took 39 stripes, who hung on the cross all night long, who, would, who could have come down at any time he wanted because he still remained the sovereign God, who spent three days and three nights in the heart of the earth, who tackled hell to go and get those out who he promised he would come and retrieve, who rose from the dead, ascended on high, sent his Holy Ghost into the planet, filled with the, the spirits of the new creation, the man who went back home and after he purged himself of our sins, I can't even get over that, purged himself of our sins, sat down on the right hand of God. Where is he chasing you? And why does he have to tear up mountains for you? Who are you? See, y'all like them little songs because you know what? You don't want to come close to God. You like that talk to God the church thing. So you can say to God, I was in church, and God will say, well, that's nice. I'll watch you. You went to church every Sunday. It's unfortunate you were never in me. But church was good. All of those silly, fleshy songs. There's nothing but a carnal song. And I'm telling you, I don't mind saying it. Reckless and Jesus Christ don't belong in the same sentence unless we're talking judgment. And, it's, and then, then, He's going to wreck it for real. But why am I doing this? Dr. Price, why do you do this? Because not everybody wants to be deceived. You know, there's a passage in Scripture, and the, and the book of Revelation said, let him who is deceived remain deceived. Still, but there are those who don't want to be deceived. There are those who are asking God, Lord, help me. Am I being critical? Am I being fussy? Am I being this and that? True Christians did not like that song. They couldn't relate to it. Strong Christians couldn't relate to it. Educated Christians couldn't relate to it. Deluded, fleshy Christians like that song because it makes them feel good about abusing God and treating him poorly. It justifies them. Well, if he chased me, then he'll find me. No, no, you got the scripture wrong. 
Scripture says, God, God says, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek me with your whole heart. But then we're not doing scriptures. We're doing scripture excerpts in other people's books. Or we're doing unauthorized versions of scripture. Let me tell you something. You cannot get close to God and say who you are. At every step, every doorway he lets you in, he requires you to take off the robe of another part of you and put on another layer of the robe of righteousness and holiness. The closer you get to God, the more holiness is weighing on you. God is holy. And when we think about holiness, we think about it, we think, well, you know, that means just going to church. That means just, um, you know, paying the tithe. That means not sinning, not committing adultery. No, no. Holiness is being impervious to the idea of adultery. Like, it doesn't speak to you. Holiness is that sin doesn't speak to you. You have no, holiness is purging the appetite for that which is offensive to your creator and your savior from your being. For example, if you don't like broccoli, they can put you in a broccoli patch and it won't touch you. You're impervious to broccoli because you have no appetite for it. See, but see, broccoli made the decision for you. But sin requires you to make the decision. Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. That's Cain before the law, before there was a law, before there was a Abraham, before there was faith. The first battle had to do with whether or not you can rule over the sinful appetites Satan sows in your flesh. If you hate horror movies, they can talk about them all day long. They can pay. You don't care. They don't touch you. Holiness is imperviousness to that which offends our God. You one holy people 100% agree with God. They agree with his righteousness. They agree with his truth. They, they agree with his sovereignty. They agree with his, they don't make excuses. See, you, you will move into unholiness when you start justifying sin's place in your world. And you start fusing yourself from 100% righteousness. Your lies start taking on color. Before a lie was a lie, now you got some gray ones, some red ones, some white ones, some blue ones. You got some orange lies. You know, your lies got colors and flavors. Okay? But see, in God, it, lie has no color. It just doesn't. Now, when it gets into people's lives or it gets under the, the light of the world that it's created, you can see various colors. But, but it's still a lie. It's just now reflecting itself in different ways in the world in which it's invaded, or the soul. Holiness is agreeing with God 100%. It's living, doing, with God, doing God, living with God, living God's kind of life on God's terms. Holiness is determined by whose terms you live the Christ life and whose conditions. See, I don't have a problem with God saying, but that's not me. Now, I have, I'm bringing up my sheep and bringing up my pastors. They'd be like, well, I don't see it. But that's not, uh-uh. I don't care whether you see it or not, because when you go deep enough in God, you can see the seed drop out of the womb, drop out of the pouch of sin, or drop out of the pouch of righteousness. You see that seed, and you see it lay in the bottom of that soul, and you watch it get watered and nurtured by the things of this world and the decisions or the form it takes by everything that touches it. See, if you still have issues with God being 100% holy, 
or you consider God's holiness to be yours to define, then you are not holy and you're not close to God. You still don't think Jesus has the right to call the shots. You don't think Jesus, half, half the, well, I look at the little Bono thing, half of the Christians don't think Jesus is real, then you're going to hell, period. See, he, he, he makes the stats, but I'm going to give you the facts. The fact is, you're going to hell, or you never got out of hell. Just because you sit in the church doesn't mean you sit in Christ. Not everybody is seated in heavenly places with him. And you need to recognize that God is very particular. And I've told you this before, and I will continue to tell you, God is particular. You can do playtime for Bonzo here all day long. You can do romper room. You can do the, the skip hop and the, and the flip flop. You can do all of that, but that's earth. This is what you put. You permit your body to do that, fine. But that body is going back to the dust. And the soul is going to wherever God captures it. It, and your spirit goes back to the, to the God who made it. See, your soul literally predated your body, just like soul and spirit predated the church as his body. So you can do all of those kinds of things, but your body is going back to the dust. But you need to understand, it is not your, you know, you hear the psychologist, it's not your fault, that's a lie. It, trust me, it's a lot, but it's good. It's, it makes for good long-term care, you know, long-term therapy. You'll be in that particular couch for 15, 20 years at 100 to $100 and $300 a pop. But your soul predates your body. So all of this chemical stuff and all of this research and experimentation we're doing on the body, hey, in God's mind, useless. Your soul, it said the soul that sinneth, which means sin originates in the soul. The soul that sinned, it shall die. There was something in Adam's soul that made him sell out his God. There was something in Eve's soul. Their bodies went on to live for hundreds of years, but their souls died immediately. And that immediate death is what triggered corruption and decay in their physiological being. See, humanity existed before the body. And if you don't get the sequence right, you're going to still be messing around with God. God does not, God already, handled, he's already issued his disposition of this body. What God is doing now is dealing with the soul because it is the originating center of all that is human and all that is you. So you can talk all day long about, well, I just think God's going to forgive me in the end. Well, you know, let me tell you something. If you ask forgiveness and still live the same thing, God's going to know you are not seeking forgiveness. You're seeking exemption, and he's not going to exempt you. See, there's a difference between seeking forgiveness and seeking exemption. And you're seeking exemption from the curse of the law that's on sin. You want God to exempt you, but you don't want him to prevent you. So you're stuck. You're really stuck. And you're that thing. You've listened to this culture crafty church because you know I'm writing a whole article on it. Probably going to write a nice little pamphlet. Do you know who's Jesus you serve? We're going to talk about that because we're in this mess because of the culture crafty church. And we are, Christianity is culturized or, or culturized by the devils of this world, producing spirits, the doctrines of devil, commandments of men. 
and that has been the church. Now, you may not have known it. And, and the thing, when you start talking about it, you can see people get scared. They get this little time. You can tell that devil that had him. He gets this kind of smoky, slimy, smirk thing, like, because he knows. Oh, my goodness, somebody found this out. And I feel bad. And the saints, the saints get belligerent. They get defensive because, well, they're, they're upset. Don't tell me I've been 40 years in the wrong thing. No, God doesn't save religions. He saved people. If you live according to the word of God, then you save. Just because you did not know that you were in the wrong address doesn't mean that your heart was not toward him. So one of the things I'll tell you, God told me from the way that I don't save religions. I save people. He said, now I influence religion so that people conform to what I will say. But I save people. So you cannot pick the religion that you think God is not getting anybody out of. When the man said he wants from all nations, all songs, all tongues, all people, and all creatures. So you need to think about that. But if you're talking about securing your salvation or growing in your salvation to the point that when you get to God's realm, you fit, that's a whole other thing. And, of course, that's another discussion. Right, Prophet Ashley? Yeah, don't you love it? There should be a prophet of deer rounding the corner shortly. Are you ready to come and take your place at the table? I think while you're settling, I'll get a sip of water. If you appreciated this, write to me and, and just post and let me know precisely. Give me some examples of uh, how this affected you. Maybe recall some of the comments or statements that really impacted you on Facebook. I know Periscope can't always do that. But, um, but let, it, let me know because this is very serious stuff. So I know it's unsettling. I know it's unnerving in many, many ways, but it is what has to happen. We're calling this, hey, the season of truth serum. You shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free and then set you free or set you free and then make you into a being or entity of freedom. This is all I can do. Okay. Where do you begin with today? Uh, we'll start with we'll start with where you were ending. <laughs> Just because you sit in church doesn't mean you sit in I mean, the whole reckless love of God thing, which we talked about on a trip. So I read you the lyrics the first time. When you read me those lyrics, I was already mad. But yeah. I thought, I'm going to behave. And then when we went through what we went through Saturday, I started, no, some, because our job is to, is, is to cry out loud and spare not. Yeah. I heard a song. I had a song on my playlist that I play. I hadn't listened to it in a long time. It probably came out about 10 years ago. And it was along the same lines mm. of, you know, I don't deserve your love, but you give it to me anyway if I walk away, you come back running after me, all this kind of stuff. And talk about the importance of learning the origins of mm-hmm. songs. Mm-hmm. I went and looked at the origin of that other song, and it was originally, if I recall, written to this writer's son. Mm. And then through that, had this revelation about the love of God. And so just tweaked it a little mm-hmm. bit and put in some Jesus whatever, 
So well, yeah, well, well, no, so it was not inspired by God. Well, clearly he would not inspire <laughs> genuinely anybody to write that. Mm-mm. But just to know that, no, people take other relationships and write things, and then they say, oh, you know, this reminds me of my walk with the Lord. Mm-hmm. And slap, slap it on there, put it on an album. It's number one hit. First of all, with that song, when I see that many secular unsaved, ungodly that's people the truth, the singing truth. that song, I'm like, oh, that can't glorify God at all. Because these people don't like God. No. And see, no. Christians got to learn that there are folk that just don't like Jesus Christ, and then there are people that are filled with Satan's envy yeah. of Jesus Christ that he uses to, to direct or divert Jesus' praise and glory. He said, my glory, I will not give to another. No. And I appreciate this because you are challenging and empowering us to use our brains mm-hmm. when it comes to all aspects of our Christianity. And having to accept when you said, but Satan is a musician. Mm-hmm. So the music industry is his industry. And we really believe because of the error that we've been taught, mm-hmm. he's only in the world and not in the church. Yeah. And he has. Or in the church. Yeah. And there's. Well. And there's nothing for him here. You know, he's just out there with all those sinners and whatever. But in the house of God, everything that comes from a Christian label and everything that comes out of a church, because mm-hmm. a lot of these, these are churches, um, worship teams and their songs, is automatically from the Lord and for his glory. But can you imagine how pitiful it is? For you to have a worship team who cannot discern what deity is inspiring or promoting what sound. Well, but you have these ministries. Well, you have these ministries who were raised on that false doctrine, now. I mean, yeah, they're they're they are the expression of what that leadership believes. One hundred percent. That yes, you know that Jesus died so we can live like the devil and really still be full of him, mm-hmm. and he's just going to chase us no matter where we go, and, and no matter and how. And he's going into the desert yeah. camp to come sure. and get me every time I go, not if I fall once, every time I go. Well, because if it's every time you go, that's actually where you live. But do you know the Bible has where God said, turn them over to Satan, that their spirit may be saved. In the... So we don't turn Christians over anymore. No. Or no. Alexander and Hymenaeus, Paul turned over to Satan that they would learn not to blaspheme. Do you know if God did that today, a lot of saints would have some really severe blaspheme lessons, blasphemy lessons. Oh. I think if we looked at the Bible, the way we teach it in redacted format, most of it would be blacked out. Yes. I mean, we really, well, happened, from, from what this contemporary doctrine has become, it probably fill one book. Mm-hmm. We could just yoke it up into one little thin book. Which is where this culture, this kid takes pictures. Right, it's just this thin, you know, it's, it's Jude plus. It's a little Yeah, maybe third John, something. <laughs> like, just third a, little, a little something, a couple chapters. <laughs> Jude, one chapter. This is our doctrine. It's all can fit on one page in a very small, shrunken Bible. And all this other stuff, I mean, when you just ran through the string, the string of scriptures of what Jesus says about himself, in contrast to just one what song. Yeah. No, Jesus is love. No, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I, and just go into all of the I am's, and you'll understand why we're making these statements. Jesus never, you know, he never said I am love. We just know that's what he is, for the right. love of God, right. shed abroad in our hearts. 
he, he talks about his official role. Yeah. It, love is not Jesus' official role. You hear that? <laughs> love is not Jesus' official role. No, that is his makeup. His affi- oh. But what he does with that love is he says, I am the beginning, the end. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the bread of life. I am the vine. You are the branches. Half of you all can't even run down Jesus as I am. Well, you taught us years ago that he also inserted love because of the harshness of these other gods. Exactly. To also differentiate, but not to be the front runner for his, for his motivations for doing everything. Jesus is not a sentiment, and love is a sentiment. Hit something. Hit something. You were you were saying something earlier. Somebody said, "Please hit something." How's that? Thank you. So we got this here. You want to grab it? (laughs) (laughs) But when you think about it, but that's why we have to grow people up, and we have to start teaching people the word. He said, "I'm the word." You will not know Jesus without knowing the scriptures. You do err not knowing Mm -hmm. the power of God. The scriptures or the power of God. You err. Without the scriptures, you err. And you write songs like Reckless Love. Yes. You write, uh, he just loves me no matter what. I treat him badly, but he loves That's like a, that, are you kidding? That's like a bad marriage. That's like Billy Holiday. I don't care if he hit me. Just don't let him quit me. Oh, <laughs> uh, what? That's what, no, a lot of these songs yeah. sound like that yeah. kind of stuff. Yes. Yes. I was listening to a song. I actually like the song, but the hook that the singer throws in there is, you know, I may fall short sometimes, but I love you. Yeah. I, I might sing sometimes, but I love you. That's an abuse. I sometimes, but I love you. And it's just like these throwaway statements. Mm-hmm. I love how you said there's a difference between seeking forgiveness versus exemption. Yes. Yeah. That's a pretty like frightening notion. Yeah, yeah, I know. She's ready. Okay. I'm going to get out of the way real quick. Uh, oh, we got time, baby. We, got oh, we time. should do. Yeah. Uh, seeking forgiveness and exemption. So is that why people think they're coming to God for forgiveness, but they stay bound in their sin because they're actually seeking exemption? Well, they apologize for it turning out the way it did. Uh, but they don't repent for the fact that it was in them to do. See, repentance deals with what's in you that motivated or inspired your sin. Mm-hmm. Exemption literally seeks forgiveness for it turning out the way it did. You know, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, I'm sorry I hurt you. Please forgive me for hurting you, but, not, but they can't tell okay. them what that hurt did. For example, Ooh. I'm sorry that I humiliated you in front of your, your, your people. I humiliated you, God. I profaned your name. They can't touch those things because they don't really think that's in them. Because remember, I'm basically a good person. So the person with the good person wants exemption. But they don't want God to prevent them from doing it because the situation may come up again. I might need to do that again. Yes, so I can't make this permanent. But I need to get my apology I your forgiveness on hold. Oh, there you go. That on hold forgiveness. I love it. I got, listen, I got a couple of them in there. You know, I play those little games, and they tell you you got all of these free bonuses things. Those are, we like to stack up the forgiveness oh, for exemption. Yes. But you can't tell. See, nobody, when people tell me that, you know, I'm really sorry, I'm, uh, that whatever, I will say many of them are sorry that it hurt you. They're not sorry that it happened. Yeah. Oh. 
man, and you do have to listen. I mean, even to what you say. Yes, about like, being in those moments. I'm sorry that it hurt you, Ooh. but you know, but you don't want it taken away because you might need it for somebody over here who really you think really deserves it. So you don't deal with the fact that that's in you. Something in you brought that out. That that came from a real place that you processed and preserved for such a time as this. So if you can't tell God what your sin did to him, and and instead going, I'm sorry, I guess that's why I lost my job. Yeah, but bigger than that, why were you embarrassing him on the job? Oh, Lord. Why were you discrediting him and misrepresenting him on the job? He says in Romans, Paul says something that we don't hardly hear, and he says that the name of the Lord is blasphemed all day long because of you. We have got to grow up. Relationships, even in your, your relationships, your friendships, your business relationships, your business union, and your marriage, you have got to understand what you did produced. And more than how it affected, it produced something. Because every act brings something into existence. So it, pre- it produced something. You want to go back to God and say, oops, sorry. And God is like, are you kidding? You're, you are sorry. Because I can't do anything with that. And you really want, and so you want to have it in the book, but God, I did repent. No, you didn't. You apologized. And you apologized for exemption. So what's the difference between apologizing and repenting? Repenting means, well, first of all, I like the word repent. I think it's a fun word. It's kind of like Pentecost. But P-E-N-T is often something that's pent up. So you go back and deal with this pent up sin that was in you. This pent up belief system. This pent up value system. Because you have a value and belief system for every action you perform because you must authorize it as a decided answer or solution to what you face. You authorize it. So when you repent, you know, you go back and they say, well, you, re- you turn, and that's true, you turn, but, but sin doesn't come out of a hollow place. Sin comes out of a packed place. Mm-hmm. No? Yes, no, keep going. <laughs> because we, we have to think about it. even our error. You talk about a lot of that error that you make. You know, you meditated on that for 10, 15 years. You meditated on it with your friend. You meditated on it over here. Every time they did something, you went back and, and nurtured that, that thing again, like it's in a hot house, until it got to the point that it was mature enough. Um, now, and I'm not making this up. This is James 1. Yes, yes. It really is. It's true. And so you have. You know, you have these things. You don't, sin's not an accident, and it's not an incident. God has no accidents, and he has no incidents. And in God's world, everything is determined, decided, decreed, and done. And it's done before it emerges. You've already made it. How many times have you said to people, if he does that one more time, if she does that one more time, what does that mean? You've already got a package solution that you are ready to unleash when that thing hits its peak on your nerves. Right. It's packaged. Oh, by, by the way, welcome to biblical psychology. <laughs> so you have, there is no accident. You know, even you all that like to talk about, I don't know how we ended up in bed. You went there go, to go to bed. You didn't go there. To, you went there to go to, you went to go to bed, but you had already, already built in that decision, the coil act, mm. the pretense. Right. But you went to go and commit adultery. You went 
to go and fornicate. You went to so-and-so's house to steal this or that. Those are things that you have de- decided, and they were packaged, waiting on the shelf of opportunity for you to carry out. Okay, sorry. I was thinking about that. All right. Uh, when you talked about, well, even in Ezekiel 33. When we finally got there. Yeah. Uh, I remember God raising me up on Ezekiel, just a couple key chapters. Before I met you, after I met you, having no clue, even being, I was being destined for the office of the apostle, hammering in my head some of these key things in the beginning. Mm-hmm. You cannot be moved by popular opinion. You cannot be moved by the sentiments of people. Like you cannot be moved by those things. And, and, you know, back then I was just like, wow, God. I, and, and I was only deep enough to say God doesn't play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now you can say with ministry, God doesn't problem. play with. <laughs> yes. About how you talked about the uh, guidelines of discharging the office. And when you said God is deep, but has a superficial relationship with a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And are you dealing with God's duties or his personhood? Yeah. Well, he said in a great house, there are many vessels. Yeah. Not every vessel responds to him as gold, and he doesn't treat them as gold. He has some dress of vessels that he treats as wood and wood and stuff. Now, I studied... Um, in Isaiah, there's a phrase that said that a, one, a wooden image is a training or doctrine. Hmm. So wood, that's why you have the, the wooden sticks and school moms and all, all of that's about chasing, training, education, and it's a doctrine. So there are some people, he just deal with you according to your doctrine. And hmm. if your doctrine's off, that's where you are. He will use you as an instrument with what he can use. Remember, this same man that said, I can... I can do something with the grain of a mustard seed. I, I, you can't even see. I, I need a Microsoft. Something. Right, they wrap a whole little piece of necklace yeah. around one little grain and And everybody still says, oh, what? <laughs> so this is the same God. So when God tells, for God to use your 30 seconds of righteousness, that's great. Remember, the sperm that makes the fertilizers an egg and the two together that makes you know, a baby, that thing starts out so microscopically small, you can't see it. Then mean that it is, there's a life in it. So right. because God is almighty, everything about God, everything, swear, if he had it, I'm sure he does if he's in our image, but, you know, everything about God is almighty. Jesus spit on the ground. He did. Spit. You know, today, boy, that ground would be in the Smithsonian oh. right now. <laughs> 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 No, first to be in a lab. Yeah, first of all, that we have to have medically. Okay. Yeah, so we can heal the world with this one drop of spit. Oh, yeah. I'll be like, Jesus, not the spit. You know? He had to come back then. Yes. And it was his dirt, because he made that dirt respond to his spit. I'm scared of Jesus. You know, some days you just got to be heaven on the spit. Well, yeah, because he's the only one. Since then, we're talking about don't sneeze in people's faces, cover your mouth. And then wash your hands after everything. The man turned dirt into medicine. I'm done with Christ. We got, it takes us labs and physicians and scientists and all of that to do what he did. To he hopefully, hopefully, yeah. possibly get some medicine. And probably not find a cure. Uh, I said, you know, you'd be bad. Sitting on the, sitting on the dirt. I said, if I'd be loving on him. I said, Jesus, I just have to love you up, love you. Because okay. he's a honey man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, said, I said, you better be glad, too, because I've been scooped up that spit. Yes, I would. <laughs> like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Jesus couldn't you come to death. They didn't jump the dirt. 
You know what? That's the truth. And they probably went and put it on some more eyes. You know? And they're trying to keep it wet. Because I know how to put it in my lotion. I'm putting it on every day. Please, I'm rubbing on the skin. You would too in your lab. Yes, I would. You know I would. I'm working on something back here. You want to go in? Yeah, I really look forward to your article or booklet or pamphlet or anthology or whatever it's going to end up being about the culture crafted church. Producing the culture crafted Christian. Because we do need point for point mm-hmm. what to look for yeah. when you're trying to recognize what is culture crafted and what is scripturally organic and culturally unmodified. Exactly. I mean, you're talking about the culture crafted, I just wrote the CCC, culture crafted church, apostasy isn't taught. Yeah. What? See, because we always focus on what you do here, mm-hmm. but we need to know <laughs> what you don't hear. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is omitted? What is chronically omitted from the doctrine, from the teaching, from the sermons, mm-hmm. even to know, you know what we never hear about? Mm-hmm. You don't hear about that. We don't hear about God's righteousness here, ever. And this is we don't hear about it. sovereignty, ever. It, it's all washed up. Right. And it's about, and how much of the message is about us? Mm-hmm. And the benefits, to, I should say, the benefits to us, mm-hmm. because you can insert us in a lot. Yeah. And it's about what we need to be doing for God. But mm-hmm. how much of it is about well, what are my rewards? What are the perks here, the perk packages? We got all the perk sermons. And I'm not going to no, my personal favorite. Most television shows play this card. Hate it. I cursed it to death. I did. But, you know, I, I, I'm sitting in a party, man. I'm cursing you. They curse me. I, I, uh, they, I, I they, they curse something. They curse me. They curse me. Curse me. I was like, are you kidding me? I ain't playing with devils. I love the saints, but I ain't playing with their devils. <laughs> T-shirt. I love the saints, but, but I ain't playing, playing with their devil. devil. And I'm not going to authorize their devil. Not at all. I'm not endorsing your devil. Don't ask me, because I'm going to be obnoxious about that. Because I want you to know the Jesus that you all are hearing about is not the Jesus in Scripture. That man was hot, hot-headed, hot-tempered, mean, brazen, bold, and fearless. He did not care. He did not care. Well, I, I guess you wouldn't care. Like, well, I'll be dead in a moment anyhow. <laughs> Well, he saw the damage that thing did in eternity. Exactly. Yes. And since we don't teach that, mm-hmm. we yeah. do not realize and accept he's bringing all that history with him. Yes. Thank you. All of that. He's mm-hmm. like, guys, please, I know how this is going to end. Yeah. Because I know how we ended I know, it in our world. I know. It's fortunate. It's like your parents trying to tell you, this is going to blow up in your face because I've done it. I've seen it. I've lived it. And we think, well, this is earth and it's different and we have the this and we have that. And he's like, no, mm-hmm. no, because his whole tone is, this is my enemy yeah. in every world. In every world. In every world. And I'm going and to the last day. world where i got to defeat him, because i got one more world to go. That's it. He said, I've defeated him in heaven. i got to defeat him on earth, and then i got to defeat him in hell. And when I defeat him in hell, then I am the reigning sovereign. And i tell you this man, this man called Jesus, just like, are you can that's why the pig screaming. No, you came out of the for you. I know you got some of the most I got. I bet you do. <laughs> he didn't even ask him to say anything. They volunteered their own identity. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. He's like, I'm here. James. He said the demons believe in God and tremble. Right. Yeah, well, you know why they tremble? Because they used to live with him. Uh-huh. See, uh-huh. We, we, you are let, you're letting Ooh. Satan and Marvel tell you the story. But let me ah. tell you, Dr. Price can tell on. you this story. See, Marvel Come can't on. tell this. So you realize the loser can't tell you how the winner won. Yeah. And if they could, they wouldn't because it doesn't do no, them no, any no. favor. They got to spin the story. But it's a spin. And you watching all that stuff. Are you kidding? Uh-uh. Jesus stood here saying, I know what you're going to do next. You did it. I remember. I remember a commentary 
uh, talking about Jesus did not remember his pre-incarnate life. Then how is he going to be God? How is he going to finish the plan? Yeah. You got the money after finish the plan? But see, a lot of stupid things are said because you take things out of context or you do those standalone scripture sermons. You know, I just like the, and he wept. And you got six-week series on he wept. My God. Out of context. Not even in the context. <laughs> so he didn't remember his pre-incarnate life. No. So how in the world would he know his father? Or, I mean, and it, it shows, it shows at a young age. He said, I'm going to do how my father do. And he knew his father's business at 12. Because you know what? His spirit was from God the father, and his soul had yet to sin. See, there was no sin to block his recall. There was no sin to Ooh. spin his story. There was no sin to darken his light and darken his revelation. His soul, he, that's what he kept talking about. Your soul should be full of light. When you see dark soul, that means there's a whole lot of stuff got to be cleaned up out of there. There's a real revelation there. But, yeah. There's no sin to darken his soul. But that's why he said the soul must be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Church will be standing up right now. Right yeah. now, I know it's kind of hard. You know, I want to hit something, hit something too. Right, wait a minute. Biblical psychology. Man, that's serious. Mm-hmm. Are you there? Hi. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, when you deal with the man, see, God will keep you in print as long as you want to be. As powerful as the Word of Faith Camp is and was, but they stayed on print. Yeah. They stayed on print. So you got to go from print to person. When you get into the man of the man, Christ Jesus, it's because of the print that they got confused, that people did not know what to do with the print because not everybody can read and comprehend what is read in the same context. Yeah. You know, so you have to deal with it. But see, when I start describing the personality, when they start describing Dr. Price's personality, and not just what I wrote, the whole different thing happened. Yeah. Things must run. And you can't alter the personality just because you don't like it. But you can alter print. People learn that the hard way. You all right? Yeah, well, I'm in. So we have to start really dealing with Jesus Christ. It's like God said, oh, no, I've got people at arm's length. He told me, he said, I have a lot of people I keep at arm's length because I can't trust them up close and personal. Arm's length. Like the baby with the loop. Hey, honey, mommy loves them. But you're so dirty. You're dirty, you're stinky. And you can't get mommy clothes dirty, okay? Yeah. See, this is God with many saints. Mm. <laughs> Oh, bath time. Bath time, blood time. We need blood time. We blood need down. new wine, new garments. We got to feed you and ate the long thing. You got worms coming out you. Come on here. And so we don't realize that because, see, God's not a person. See, you can argue with me all day long where the Bible says this or that, but I'm not talking just about the Bible. It's authority. It's established for me. I'm talking about the author mm. and finisher of our faith. See, the author and finisher of our faith. The captain of our salvation. The word? Not just the ministers of our salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I messed up. All right. She said she messed up. Uh, well, in that theme, when you said Jesus the Savior is not the same as Jesus the Sovereign. Mm-hmm. I mean, man, we sell this man short in every way. Oh, girl. We do. Every way. Right. Every way. We are annoyed when people refuse to see us but one way, mm-hmm. only one way. They, they, they refuse to see us any other way. Or they, they only see us the way we were when they met us. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've gone through that in our friendships. We've been friends for about 20 years. Yeah. And so it's like, why are you bringing up all this stuff? I haven't even thought that way in 10 years. How is that key? <laughs> and after a while, it was like, mm-hmm. 
And why is everything talking with you taking me to my past? Taking us back to or certain moments all the time, over and over. And we do that with God. Mm-hmm. I remember because it's like we go back to how we remember meeting the Lord, which was never the totality of who he was. Mm-mm. That was the new baby. And we bring that new moment down, everything about him, all this awesomeness, all this power, all this majesty, all this glory, down to the moment he pulled us out of the gutter. Mm-hmm. And I just remember my gutter Jesus, but it's just, you know, <laughs> my gutter my Jesus. Jesus. We, just, we just, I remember that gutter he pulled me out of, and, and that's, that's, that's it right there. And all of these other things, they don't matter because mm-hmm. we have made our salvation about our personal experience. With God, not even uh, our personal maybe introduction mm-hmm. or moment, and that is all. And we really don't teach people that our Christianity is about Him. Mm. No, we don't. It's about the church. That's the whole Catholic mindset. Yeah. Christianity is not about Jesus Christ. It's about the church. It's about the institution we built. You know, Israel. Lord, don't you see this wonderful tabernacle that we built? It took us thirty and some years to build. Isn't it marvelous? Jesus, you ought to be impressed. Because you're the Lord from heaven. Aren't you impressed with our work here on earth? And Jesus said, listen, in three days, tell that. I'm going to tell you that thing. That. They were so mad at God that the Lord Jesus Christ, they could not wait to kill him. What I mean, you what are you saying? This was 30 and 8 years in the building. He said, um, I'm going to tell you that. And so they were proud of their clay work, the work of the cursed earth and the, and the mortal man. And Jesus is like, but I've brought a new model. I brought the original model mm-hmm. to the planet. I always think about you were talking about this diminishing Jesus. Um, let me tell you what, some, what I always say. You know, we like Jesus fed the 5,000. We've got literally millions and millions of writings on Jesus feeding the 5,000. Now, you see the chauvinist guy. Well, see, this is a male thing. Right. Right. Chauvinist. Right? So, Either only men showed up at Jesus' gatherings or the fact that he fed women and children was insignificant, which means he probably fed more like 20,000. Oh, probably so. But we're not going to give him credit for that because they're just women. they just men. Biases will always diminish Jesus' glory and his achievements. When you're biased, you will always shrink God's glory down to your particular feeling. You know, and so... The fact that he fed that many men, or and he did it more than once. And so I'm yeah. thinking, what? I mean, if every time he touched a woman, they got mad. I was like, yeah, right. So his majesty is always diminished by bigotry. Mm-hmm. Bigotry will always diminish God's majesty. Always. It will never fail. You know, we, we can come there and say, God, you know, back in the 30s and 40s, God had this many churches. And that's all they cared about. But then we had all these other churches that were going around that God was doing things with, and nobody cared. We're still dealing with that today. Oh, that's just a woman's ministry. Oh, that's just a, 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 a Hispanic ministry. That's just a, a, a black ministry. And, I mean, we got to literally bigotize everything. And once you do that, his majesty is diminished. So God can only work on what you call superior. And, you know, Bible said pride goes before fall. Yeah. Pride goes before destruction, the heart before fall. So you need to recognize that God will, he said, my glory I will not give to another, not even bigotry. God just waited for this thing to run its course. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, he was behind the scenes showing off. And for those who had eyes to see, he showed off. 
And isn't that still today? I'm telling you. I'm like so many things. I'm so much many doctors just diminish his majesty, his ability, his superiority. Only that. And so God only uses this. And then God only uses that. And then God only and God only. Are you kidding? You don't know what it is to be God. I'm telling you, God literally has to keep us at arm's length because he is, he is always emitting power. He's always emitting glory. He's always emitting strength. He's always emitting ability. And because of his constant, literally constant creator emissions, he's got to keep us at arm's length so that we don't look like we're rewarded for our sin. You can build on, build on. You know, we do that in this kind of mercy. I really love how you talked about how people don't read God in a moment. I think that that oh, yeah. not only explains where people are today, but it also explains how we got here as a, as a church. Mm-hmm. You know, how did we get to the place of being, as crafting our our understanding of Christ in our culture, from within our culture. Um, I think that explains that over time. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the digression, the, the dilution of his word. Mm-hmm. We talked about that in this program before. Um, the, the, the changing of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the changing of even what we call holiness. You know, mm-hmm. there used to be a time where, you know, people believed and saw the church as very strict people mm-hmm. because the lines of holiness were so defined, mm-hmm. you know, so in an effort to pull away from that, we just threw both the baby and the bathwater out, you mm-hmm. know, so now no holiness in church, no righteousness. I think that uh, you mentioned that before, mm-hmm. we're not talking about righteousness. I think it's a really big deal, yes. huge mm-hmm. deal that we're not talking about the concept of righteousness and holiness in the church anymore. This is how we get to a place where we're not pleasing God. You talked about, you know, how can the people not discern no place to discern because literally if, if, if what you're being fed on a daily basis in your church yeah. is that watered down gospel, then you where where how are you discerning? What are you discerning? Yeah. You know, if you're if you're if your Bible is the Amplified Bible, the message Bible, you can't discern. There's no way, you know. Yeah. So I think there's there, you're tapping into a huge problem at the root of Christianity, which is Organics, you know, um, organic Christianity, as Dr. Price has, has taught it, is going back to the root. And you talked about, you said, we can't fix it unless we fix the root. We can't fix the fruit unless we go back and we mm-hmm. touch this root that has yep. been contaminated and tainted, tainted mm-hmm. um, which is what organic Christianity mm-hmm. is all about, healing the root. It is. So that we can actually have fruit of Christ again. Yeah, you know, um, you just what? so many things, you know. Um, I think that your, your, ta- your discussion on holiness is really important. Um, it's the hardest thing to do, which is to agree with God 100%. I don't think that we realize how much we don't agree with him, um, that the places in our soul that, that are at discord with him, and that it's affecting our ability to be whole in him. Holiness, as you've taught, and it blew my mind, wholeness in God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, because, um, so, uh, you know, you always have this idea of holiness, and you broke it down once. Wholeness. Mm-hmm. God is whole. You know, he's not fragmented. He's not fractured. He doesn't have all of these differing opinions. Um, but that we can't agree because there's so many places in our soul that we've been taught by culture to disagree with God, to mm-hmm. pull away from him. So we can't achieve holiness because of that. You mm-hmm. know? So I think that was so important. And you said in that, in that comment um, that the, the, it's determined by whose terms and conditions call the shot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Praise God. You know, there's 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 some problems. So you, can say. Um, you know, so that 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 you know <laughs> that human money big Christianity, humanistic Christianity mm-hmm. says we call shots. Mm-hmm. You know, reckless love, 
we call shots. I determine when I'm ready to come to you, God. You know, I determine when I want you to move on me. I determine when I'm going to let you. You know, we, we counsel people on the phones all day where we say, well, I finally decided to let God use me. I'm like, girl, I hope he still wants to because he has no you know, yeah. that mentality, I just, I finally decide I'm going to let God do a work in me. As if Are we you? decide when he does and does not so that you say, well, God, I'm ready for you to work. And God just hops to, okay, great, let's do a miraculous work for you now. Mm-hmm. You know, that misunderstanding of even how God works. You know, we've got a lot of people, literally, I feel like in Christianity, because of the things that you've taught and the revelation that we kind of have this, these two tracks, yeah. Christians who are really Christians and are doing the will of God and people who believe that they are. Yeah. And there's a huge difference between the two. Really? You know, we have a Christianity now that believes that they're running with God and they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you have the Christians who are truly running with God. Most of those Christians, people don't even know their names. No. You know, the people who are truly doing the work of God. What we see, I mean, this is going back to what you Oh, what you talked about with the stage and the lectures. I mean, first of all, oh, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm kind of stuck back on that. <laughs> you know, I'm still stuck back there that we're staging Like, I'm stuck. I'm <laughs> stuck there. But I think that that has to do with you know, this alternate <laughs> reality that we form, this alternate Christianity yeah. that we have, where we have literally a whole body of people, not the body of Christ, not the true body of Christ. We have to be so careful what we're seeing as Christianity. Mm-hmm. What we're seeing is this is a Christian preacher. You know, this is a Christian writer. This is a Christian musician. They're right. not. That's not real. Mm-hmm. Like that is not real. So now we're literally at a place where we have what the fake and the real, and mm-hmm. it takes true discernment to know: Am I dealing with a fake Christian yeah. or a real one? I, I just. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I could go on, but that's right. And you said um, sitting. Uh, someone quoted this on your on the broadcast too. Again, sitting in a church doesn't mean seated in Christ. If that is not if, that, if that's not setting yes. us free, I don't I don't know what is. We we need to understand this. Mm-hmm. I need to Sunday school on this on that that particular phrase. We need to understand this. You know, sitting in that seat does not make you his. It does not make you a child of mm-hmm. Christ. I mean. We have to teach this because mm-hmm. people have to understand whether or not they really are walking in God. Yeah, you know, right. this is the need. Like, you're, you're talking today, and I'm hearing the need for this now because a lot of people are deluded into believing that they belong to Christ, and they don't. Mm-hmm. Yes. Believing that, they're, they're, that their attendance, their contribution makes them his, and it doesn't. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the, I, I don't know if there was ever a reason for the importance of this. Uh, it's today. You know, mm-hmm. it's, what you're, it's what you're teaching right now. We need this. We don't know, Dr. Bryce. We are lost. There, mm-hmm. there are a lot of churches that are completely lost. I, I look to the leadership of these churches because you're you're pouring this out of your pulpits. You know, these people are trusting you. But we need more like this to mm-hmm. help people wake up from where they're at. You know, when you were talking, um, talk about a Christless Christianity, but when you were talking, I remember mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in the Baptist church, and I remember having a real experience when I was baptized at the age of 12. I remember reading the little white Bible that they gave me and it telling me about the passion of Christ. I couldn't get out of the passion of Christ, you know, his uh, crucifixion. Well, I then went off and wandered and meandered into uh, the occult and all of those kinds of things. And I remember when I was allowed to come back to God because people think they come back to God because they chose to, but Second Timothy yes. chapter 2, 23 and 24, 23 to 25 says that's not true, that God has to give you repentance, which is why you keep apologizing. You know, you stay sorry until he gives you repentance. 
And so I remember sitting at my table after going to my sister's church, and she was, you know, um, she was talking about this wonderful pastor and how great he was and his and a young couple. Um, and so he was, he was saved from being a pagan priest. So, you know, God, you know, this whole other thing. But, so, but he was preaching that gospel. And I mean, I said that, but he wasn't, he was preaching it uneducated as he claimed. And he, that thing spoke to me. So I remember sitting home one day reading the Bible, which I couldn't stand. When God is ready to save you, you hate your Bible. Ooh. <laughs> your devils are so scared, they don't know what to do. They'd be like, man, they start cutting up. And since I had a, a, more than a few, they were showing off. Mm. And, uh, and, and, and you'll always be nervous. There's that, that jitteriness, and then there's that, that shaking because, honey, God is dislodging those spirits mm. as you're getting in your word. You know, he's dislodging that devil who's been faking you out. And so I was sitting there in my, in my dining room, and I looked at that, and I remember reading Matthew and reading about the Son of God and then reading about reading John. And I said, Jesus, now obviously because of my childhood, I knew Jesus. I said, Jesus, if I am your child, show me. Mm-hmm. That's all I knew to pray. Because I mean, everything else, I was like, wow, it was a horrible I mean, experience. Now, he had visited me a year earlier. And saved me, but I didn't know that's what that was because, again, they don't know. And so I went to church the next night, and God, honey, he started running after those devils. I promise you, I screamed for 30 minutes. That man, he he came with an axe. He came with a pick. He came with everything. And I screamed for 30 good minutes. My voice was raw. I couldn't think, but he literally had cut every every unclean spirit out of my spirit. Mm -hmm. And for almost six months. It burned like somebody had a hard brain, and you couldn't see it. And I couldn't eat. I couldn't do anything. And no, I couldn't do anything with that pain because it wasn't a physical pain. Uh-huh. And I want you to know, honey, he was, Jesus came up in there, cleaned up. I did not need, boy, they started on the floor. I screamed. And then after that, he, he would deliver me. I went to three more places, and he delivered me. Not even what plan to go, but they were already, you know, visiting friends. Honey, and I want you to know Jesus stepped up in me, and he said one word I will never forget. He said, from now on, it's you and me. I said, oh, come on. He said, just you and me. Mm -hmm. So people would fuss about me not having coverings and carrying on, and Jesus said, I told you, it's you and me. He said, I saved you. No man did this for you but me. And he began to train me. And even as he's training me, I'm telling you, those residual spirits that are in your gene pool, Mm -hmm. I mean, they started cutting up. It was horrible, but it was the most glorious time of my life. A month after he delivered me, I'm standing in my house, and I'm just seeing our God reign. I, I just love those such sweet songs. I said, oh, I just like, you know, I wouldn't hear so many good songs. <laughs> <laughs> was, ooh, Jesus. And so I'm standing in my bedroom, and I'm getting ready for Thanksgiving, and I had just celebrated my last Halloween, and I didn't know Halloween was a problem for Jesus. That man freezes me in time. I will never forget it. Freezes me in time. Draws me into this tube. There is this aqua, it's a gorgeous tube. And he said, you will sing and you will teach, and I will use you to do a mighty work. Heaven's open, feeling gone. It's raining down this thick oil like honey, and it's raining down, and it's sucking into my body. So I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm going to freeze. (laughs) Yep. No. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. Not so much. Went in the trial. <laughs> 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 no, we'll be 
the wolves in the wilderness. I was like, what? No, 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 you do it over here. I'm ready to go here. I've got the car. No. I'm like, why am I in trial? You gave me this powerful word. You baptized me by yourself. You opened up the ceiling. And I remember one thing. That was the second time that I heard his voice, That the third time that vividly. Because when I was on the floor and I was dying, because those spirits were trying to kill me, because see, some of you all, Ooh. hey, see, some of y'all are in that stuff, and I want you to know mm-hmm. your deliverance is going to be very painful, very ugly, mm-hmm. especially those of you in yoga, because I was in yoga. And that spirit tried to kill me, click, click, and it was breaking my back. I heard my mm-hmm. spine click, 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 and I'm dying. I'm sucked into a black hole. And I mean, this thing is so black, it's painful. I'm in this black hole, and I remember one thing. My sister said, if you don't know the prayer to pray, just say Jesus. Baby, I said, baby, baby, I thought baby. I whispered it. My family said I screamed it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm in the hole, do I know? <laughs> so I, I just said Jesus, and he came like the, a clown, and he spelled his name in big black white letters in that black hole. He spelled J-E-S-U-S. When he, when he got to the last S, that thing snapped off of me, and I'm telling you, I was in baby talking in tongues. I didn't even know I talked in tongues. I had to do it again because I didn't realize it was tongues. <laughs> but, honey, but I remember, and he said in that black hole, he said, I want you to know one thing. He said, all authority is given unto me. And I didn't know what that meant, and yet I did because I was corporate girl. He mm. said, no, all authority is given unto me. And he said it again, and I said, Read his voice, but it's as soft as his voice was. There was power in this man. So then that night I go home and I'm like talking to him because now I'm delivered. I'm throwing out all my occult paraphernalia and I got like six bags of big old ones. I had a big, big old plaque on the wall for signs and everything. I was in, all in. I'm throwing all this out because I just realized that I was offending him. He mm. took me to Manasseh and he mm. said, Manasseh caused Israel to worship all the hosts of heaven. So he took me to Manasseh, and he let me, baby, talk about, now that's repentance, hot tears running down my face. Hot tears. I was like, but Jesus, I don't even love you. I don't understand. That's why I understand these people. Cause I, and I cried, and I cried, and I cried. And then I, I cried myself to sleep. And then I woke up talking in tongues, and he, he's talking now. And I said, but, but they don't know. They need to know me. He said, don't worry about it. They will all know me, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Mm-hmm. I said, really? And I went on. And then after that, he started walking me through all. That's why you want to know why my message is what it is. All of the times other deities and other gods have deceived his people and manipulated his people and caused them to serve sin in his name. And I said, oh, okay. So then we get down to the third time that he speaks. Now, after that, he talks all the time. I mean, from that moment on, every day of my life, I don't know a day that uh, God and I are chatting about something. But that last day is when he told me that was my calling. Mm-hmm. And he said, teach. That's why my teaching anointing is what it is. It is, it, it, it is a global teaching anointing for global issues right. to really recall people to the global God, the global Lord Jesus Christ. And so I am very sensitive to what you're saying. But see, I don't play with your devils. I'm not going to host your devil just to be your minister. I'm not <laughs> doing that. See, something, not all of us are going to sit at the table. Somebody's going to have to be outside in the, in the garden. All right. Okay? Now, you come on in, but you have to leave your devil. And, and they'll tell you, I don't play with this. I will act up when I know you don't know it's a devil, but he's, he and I know each other. Ooh. I will cut up 
No. We are the witnesses and the lawyers. Because, see, I was deceived. I was in a Christian church. That's how I could say it. I was in the Christian church doing palmistry, doing astrology, doing all of that stuff, and my pastor was doing it with us. And I'm sitting here in the church acting up. And I said, when I realized that, I was too through. And I've said this before. I called my pastor, and I said, we're going to dinner. And I told him. I, because that, that, you know, shitty, but I guess I must have been apostolic then. And I told him, I said, but you would let me and my family go to hell. Mm-hmm. I said, and I read in this book, and I started reading him these passages and carrying on, because I wanted him, I had my Bible, because, you know, baby, you know, I used to carry my sign. Now I got my Bible. <laughs> baby, I got my, I'm a, sweetheart, I'm going to sign the sword. Oh, I got my sword now, but yeah. I had a sign, but yeah. now I got a sword. And I went there, and I said, we, we, were do, we were all talking about yoga. We were all talking about all astrology, all kinds of magic and paranormal. I was like, mm-mm. But that thing caught me when I was a little girl with the movie Bell, Book, and Candle. And after that, a bunch of other ones. So I want you to know, I told him, I said, but I want you to know, I said, I wanted to tell you, we are leaving your church. <laughs> Today. Today. In fact, you've already left. Today. I said, because that's when I realized that there was another kind of church. Wow. We're sitting there talking about Freemasons and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, so we're sitting up in here paying you to send us to hell. I said, oh, that is crazy. The devil's a lie. I said, you were sending me to hell, me and my family. I said, and I'm telling you, I thank God that God rescued us from your church. And he said, you're right. And he went on. He later got really saved. And you know why? Because I was bold enough to confront this sin. You were sending me and my family to hell, and I'm paying you. I'm buying the ticket to hell. I'm like, I was so upset. But I say that to you to say my journey, and I, you know, is that I went from being that one who assumed I was serving Jesus Christ, who assumed I had was serving the true Jesus who assumed that what are the sermons I heard were the sermons from the word of God. Hmm. And until I went to another church, if I had never gone to that other church, I would never be saved. But because of that, and then they had, when I got that deliverance, I didn't even know I needed deliverance. I didn't go down to get deliverance. I went down to make some money. I was like, ended up minus the devil. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But anyway, go on. I just wanted to share that with you all yes. so that you can understand this comes from a real place. And, it, and when I started reading this Bible, I'm telling you, I read it day and night around the clock. My family will tell you, I never put it down. It was with me everywhere. I went through three. It was in about maybe a two-year period of time. Because every time I colored it up, I went and got a new Bible so I can get a new dimension. <laughs> are they following me, Facebook? You following me? Oh, yeah. They have got to be. No, I, I think I pulled out a lot of the pieces that I wanted to say. Holding this um, matter? Yes, we talked about that. We crafted. I probably actually talked earlier about the uh, sovereign sovereign. Uh, you talked about when a person sits in a high seat in God's church, they don't fall without a steady slipping and a sliding oh, yeah. from him. Mm-hmm. And that was really powerful, too. Um, so, you know, a, a falling star, you know, but like, you know, they said the phrase, the stars in the heavens. They said Jesus' star was in the heaven when he came, and that the angels, actually, those stars moved away, and the angels were behind them singing peace on earth, goodwill to men. When God puts you up 
and he establishes you in the heavens. That means he assigns a heavenly being, agent, to work with you and alongside you. Now, you still got your devils on earth because you had them from the day you were born. But God, and you still have the two angels that kind of kind of balance your existence. These two are that you don't die before you fulfill purpose. But people who fall, first of all, I'm a witness. It's a long time to rise in God. Satan rushes you to the top because he only has a short window. God takes his time because Mm -hmm. he's eternal. And everything you do, he plans to use all the way into eternity. So when God has to take and, and, and cut you down, that's not something he appreciates doing, but he does it when his people or his purposes are adversely affected. So when you start preaching another gospel, what did Paul said, let him be a curse. And we look at that, uh, that God doesn't curse. Yes, and he said, let him be a curse. What's the first curse? God pulls back his power. He pulls back his light. He pulls back his revelations. He pulls back his, his provinces. He switches out your audiences. So now you don't have the, the congregation of the righteous. You now have the congregations of darkness. But nobody knows because you're preaching a love gospel and you're preaching a liberty gospel and you're preaching the uh, let me do what I want to do as I want to do it gospel. So people who stay with you are the congregation of the darkness. And Satan has to give you an audience. Otherwise, how are you going to know that he kind of marches to gather a following for him? That doesn't happen overnight. It starts little by little. It starts by, first of all, that leader hanging out with the wrong people, going to the wrong meetings, sitting around the table, having debates for which he or she is not equipped to handle. It starts out, and then, and so as you're sitting around with those people, that insemination, their words are inseminating you. And if you don't know how to deflect or destroy them, they become part of your spiritual makeup, your spiritual anointing, apothecary. And so you sit there, and then eventually you test it with the people, and the people kind of like it, because see, you brought the agent of that word, the spiritual agent of that word, back home with you in your church. Oh, my. Now, there's more to this. We'll probably cover it another time, but we're going to let you do some announcements. Don't you want to do something? What about a cliffhanger? <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Well done. I want well to do played. some announcements. We have uh, in November the 14th through the 17th, our Apostleship Summit is mm-hmm. coming up. We have apostles being commissioned this November. It's going to be a really powerful, exciting time. It's going to be here in Tulsa. All the information on Dr. Paula, aprice.com. Price University is starting fall semester on August the 20th, so Monday, August 20th. We want to hear from you. Give us a call, 877-419-1299, because we want to talk to you about getting enrolled for fall semester. If you've been listening to these teachings and you're saying, where has this been all my life? We want to help you get connected to it, all right? Um, and Price University is a step to how you begin to do that. PriceUniversity.org, we've got new degree programs available rolling out in the fall. You don't want to miss out on what God is doing, so I want to invite you to visit us online at PriceUniversity.org. Don't this out on fall semester. Again, it starts Monday, August 20th, and if you give us a call, we'll help you get everything you need together to be able to start school in the fall. Uh, last but not certainly not least, uh, we also want you to plug into the new PPNGlobalResources.com, our success center. Find out how you can get mentorship, advisement, consultation. We want to work with you in crossing over. So those are some of the things that we have going on in Paul Price University. Yes. Can I say two more things? Yep. We discussed 
Sunday about nailing down the profits module because oh, we yes, talked about that. Yes. Was that just last week? Yeah. Yeah. Just such an event. Yeah. Wow. Anyway, so we are going to attach that mm-hmm. to the beginning of the Near Apostolic Summit. And so you'll be seeing information pop up about how you can register, and you'll just need to be in Tulsa a few days early since you're already going to be here for the event to partake in your advanced profits training. Also, Dr. Price will be in Joliet in August. This was just just nailed down, like just nailed down, August 17th through the 19th. So we'll be coming in through there before we kick off our semester here at Price University. It's going to be Prophetic Ed. Yes. Is what you'll be doing with Apostle Nona Parker and Antioch. Yes. Prophetic Ed. And we're going to, you know, you have to be there to see what we're going to do. Oh, yeah. So, Chicago, I am coming into your land. I am coming into your world, and I'm bringing you something that you need, the next dimension of prophetic service. Some of you have served God prophetically for years. You've done a very effective job at it, but your harvest isn't there. You know, you're doing all of this, but your harvest isn't there. Why don't you join me in Joliet to find out how to tap into the economy and harvest of your prophetic mantleship? It's important that you realize it because as we found out in our meeting last week, God is resetting the prophetic. That's the word from heaven. He's resetting it. And you know why? Because it's coming out from under this culture-crafted Christianity model, and it's coming back into the model that originated the prophetic in the world, the model that Abel was given from the Almighty that has passed down through us. So don't you want to know more about that? Yes, you do. So we're going to cover that among a few other things. Make sure you watch us online. And how do they get to register? If you want to pre-register or something, does she give us information? Or Apostle Nona? Yes. Yes. She will have it up on her site, but I'm sure probably will usually has a direct yeah, link from our site. Well, yeah, direct site. link. Mm-hmm. So you can go right in it. Well, we're winding up. Don't forget, so a seed. Did you hear what you got today? If you couldn't pay tuition, some of you have paid great tuition and did right not get that. that. And I know why, because I know what God did for me, what, what he has called me to do. So why don't you go to my site, Dr. Paula A. Price, and sow a seed, sow a significant seed. You know, I'm still working on getting um, getting the show out globally. Hey, you can help to do that. And we're, we're getting other things done here. But right now, you can sow a seed because I've shown to you material or spiritual things. And you have been spiritually fed and edified. So you need to reciprocate with something material. So sow a seed. Go to drpaulaaprice.com. Lastly, don't forget, join us at the Congregation of the Mighty. We're there where Prophet Adia is teaching Sunday school. Yeah. Amen. And you all are, are tuning in. And then afterwards, uh, I teach at 11 o'clock the um, Scripture Organic, yeah. Cultural Modified Christianity. Why? Because we want to empower you mm-hmm. to get back in touch with God and to go from superficial yeah. to yeah. completely intimate. But God is holy, and you have to recognize he's holy, he's hallowed, and he's the almighty. And as much as we enjoy him, and I do, I never forget who he is. And I never treat him according to how the world treats him, because I know the world hates him. But I love him, so I treat him like my honey. In Jesus' name, join us Sunday, 10 o'clock.
Well, you go live about 11. Oh, I go live at about 11. Okay, I'm getting this. Locally, it's 10 a.m. We kick off with worship, but we start streaming around 11. Okay, and if you're in the Tulsa area, hey, come, join. You know, don't let that that spirit intimidate you into not moving into what God is doing. This is where he is. This is where he's going. And it is at the congregation of the mighty where God stands. See you Sunday. God bless.